was like, I'm cuddling you. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta growl it. It's, it's just metal, but all the lyrics are whispered. Dallas, Texas. <clears throat> We're here for DLC Downloadable Coffee, where we uh, recap the events of the week and uh, what everybody was talking about at the BGOCC. I'm your host today, Michael Sewell, and I'm joined by Shay, Ray, and I'm Russell. Our guest for the day. I promise. See, for once, I brought in one of my guests on time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we have Russell today. He is. Uh, one of the founders of Sighthead Games, and also one of the organizers, one of the main organizers for Dallas Society of Play. So we'll have him talk about both here in a bit. Uh, but for now, let's go into like past events. Uh, was there anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, December is uh, usually a dry time for a lot of events. Uh, yeah. Everybody's seeing families and holiday. Yeah. All so there wasn't, there wasn't anything. The Game Awards shows did happen. Yes, that's so. cool. Um, what was there? I didn't get a chance to watch it. So, was there any like noticeable events or anything for those I have? There were a couple it? new game announcements, uh, and there were a couple. Um, I mean, there were a lot of awards given out. Uh, God of War took home the Game of the Year. Uh, the Messenger took home Best Action Game, which is an indie title. Okay. Um, and there were a couple other notable ones that I thought was was interesting. It was, it was a bit of an upset. I'll, I'll pull those up, and we'll get back to those later. Okay. Um, did they have like a music act or something? They had a lot of musical performances. Mm -hmm. um, I I, oh, okay. I didn't see it. <laughs> Actually, it was very impressive. They opened it up. Uh, there were a number of, of games in the in you know the best game uh, mm -hmm. of the year award, including Celeste was in that category, which was a, a pretty oh, impressive yeah, yeah, yeah. title. Um, but they had a, a couple compositions that were centered around these games themes. Uh, and brought in composers and uh, orchestra people from, uh, or representative of each each game title. So the uh, I think believe the Celeste composer was up on stage frequently playing her uh, theremin. I'm not okay. entirely <laughs> sure what her instrument is, but it was pretty cool. Um, and they had some really neat scores throughout the whole award show. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, if you want to watch it, it is available on YouTube. The full award show. So, check it nice. out. Alright, well, that, so that was uh, past events. Here's what's coming up. Upcoming events. Upcoming events. Second Thursday of every month is the Game, de uh, game Developers Drink Up, and that's over at Victory Park, and that starts usually around 8, 8, 8 p.m. Not a.m. <laughs> 8 p.m. Start drinkers. They're, they're <laughs> drinking early. I mean, that it's seems Texas. unhealthy. I mean, it's mimosas. Like, mimos, mimosas are a thing. <laughs> so. I mean, you do you. <laughs> mimosas are great. If if we had a mimosa event at eight o'clock in the morning, I'd show up. <laughs> We'll put that as our, an, an idea for like another venue. Or if we should do that for our holiday, like Thursday meetup. Yeah, but there's not any place that I know of that could do mimosas. I well, well, the like yeah, you can come to my house. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll set you up at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, maybe we could do like video game club uh, Thursday or Friday, um, right after Christmas. Yeah, all right. That'd be fantastic. 
Yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> New event. Oh, for those we'll, that are we'll tuning in. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's that's one coming up, and that is it. <laughs> uh, we, we've got a couple things down the line in January yeah, and February. Uh, January, there is PAX South, of course, in San Antonio. Uh, <clears throat> in February, I know the IGDA is hosting their Christmas party. Uh, and let's see, those are the major events that Can't forget South by Southwest and Game Developer Conferences in March. Yep. It's middle of March? Mid-March? Uh, I haven't looked up the dates yet. Yeah, so it's like 18th to 23rd, I think. Yeah. Interesting. It's a week-long event. We always recommend that you go go to. It's a great way to start your networking. If, it, uh, if it's your first time going, it's also a great time to learn um, what kind of things are happening in the industry. Basically, get a uh, finger on the pulse on what's going on. So definitely check it out. There's ways for going cheap. If you're interested, let us know, and we'll be willing to share a lot of our secrets of how we've managed to keep it um, relatively affordable. <laughs> um, so yeah, and that is that is that's pretty much it. I haven't seen anything else come in either from well from Dallas Society of Play or from a bunch of short guys. But DSOP will start back up in January. We can talk about that later if you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, okay, then let's go ahead and hop into the recap. Recap. Yeah, we don't have a jingle for the <laughs> <yet. laughs> We do, actually. We do? Since yeah. We? We've had one for a while. Yeah. Trey's made a bumper of just about everybody. Sorry, Trey, I haven't listened to it. I can hear it in my head. It's playing in my head. This, <laughs> this podcast is working in my head right, <laughs> right now. Live. Yeah. Like, if you listen, uh, the only person that's not is, like, Daniel, but you're actually the bumper for recap whenever we go into it. Uh-oh. Yeah, and then uh, I've got upcoming events and... Uh, David is whenever there's a spoiler alert. It just <laughs> happened once. Okay. So. All right. Um, so, yeah, thanks, Trey, for being so awesome about that. I can talk about uh, the recap from Friday. Most of what we talked about was the Game Awards. Okay. Which I just pulled up the all the awards. Oh, so, please. Uh, um, let's go through them then. Yeah. Um, so I already mentioned uh, God of War won Game of the Year. Fortnite won Best Multiplayer Game. Celeste won, won uh, Best Indie Game. Which, uh, I don't know if you guys have played that game, but it is it is really good. I think they earned uh, earned that. And I think Celeste was in, it was up for a number of awards mm-hmm. next to big games like Red Dead Redemption and, and uh, Fortnite and things like that. Yeah. I, I might have my, my award not aligned correctly in my head, but it was up against some big AAA titles, which was, you know, and it's a just a standard indie game made by less than 10 people, I believe. Yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. Uh, it, was, it was the only indie game in for the title of Game of the Year. Uh, it, it was nominated for that. Uh, God of War took the cake there. Uh, let's see. But there were other major notable games throughout the awards, uh, including The Messenger, Return of the Oberdin, which is really cool as well, uh, Into the Breach, and Dead Cells. And I think each of them won something. Uh, best fighting game was Dragon Ball Fighters. Is it Fighters or Fighters E? It depends on who you ask. <laughs> yeah. Well, they announced it as Fighters oh. in the game awards, so I guess that's... I don't know. Uh, Forza took sports racing game category. Fortnite took best ongoing game. Monster Hunter World took role playing game. Uh, Overcooked Two won best family game. Okay, which is also awesome because those guys have made something that's pretty special. Uh, Red Dead won best narrative. Let's see, uh, 
Should I go through the esports ones? <laughs> There's esports ones. Yeah, they had they had a bunch of esports categories. Yeah. Um, Dominic McLean won best esports player uh, of the year or esports player of the year, not best esports player, just mm-hmm. of the year. Anyway, uh, Roger Clark won for best performance with his role in Red Dead Redemption Two. Okay. Um, that was paired up against like Chris Judge, who played Kratos in God of War, and Yuri in Spider Man, and mm-hmm. uh, Brian Deschard and uh, Milisanti Mahu. My apologies if I terribly pronounce these names. Um, Overwatch won Best Esports Game, and God of War won won, uh, Best Action Adventure. Okay. It's really cool that we're seeing, like, this new trend of indie games starting to pop up in, like, where they traditionally wouldn't have before. And so it's really cool to kind of see this, uh, what would you say, it's like a new era of indie games. It's like they're kind of... It's like kind of proof that you don't need like huge publishers and big buckets of money to still produce really great games. You just need heart. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's been creeping up slowly over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. You know, when you go to GDC, if you can go to the IGF Awards, which is the Indie Game Developer Awards, and that's always full of, you know, what everyone would consider an indie. And then after that, they have the uh, Game Developer's Choice Awards, which is usually the big budget titles. Mm -hmm. And slowly over the last, you know, five, ten years, you've seen the indie ones sort of creep into both categories now. So the the Game Developer Choice Awards is now full of, you know, it's half indies, half AAA games, Mm -hmm. when it used to be just AAA games. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting to see that sort of, some people call, you know, higher uh, quality indie games like Triple I or something like that. It's like sort of some in-between category that people Mm -hmm. would consider. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to watch watch the movement that sort of from one category to the next. Yeah, that was set before Eric had to leave the podcast. Um, he, he actually, I, we never got a chance to like delve into the reason why Triple uh, I was just like a bad name to kind of use. It is a bad name. Yeah, yeah. it just it sets a bad standard. I think was where he was going with it, but we didn't actually get a chance to like really dive into it. Um, love to know your thoughts on it. Um, I you know what I I don't know if we need a name. It's, there's just, indie games and games in general have just, there's such a broad range of types and styles and scales and sizes and, and quality levels and mm-hmm. artistic styles. It's like, to put things in two or now maybe three categories just seems like it does a disservice to the diversity and the variety that games really are. So I would actually say we stop using all those, t- those <laughs> terms, but that's just me. Uh, yeah, human, humans have to label stuff. As is evident by Big Bang's theories. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching way too much Big Bang Theory. Oh, uh, <laughs> stop there, please. <laughs> <laughs> Not Friends, though. Isn't everybody all about Friends these days? Uh, <laughs> Didn't that uh, happen? Did they come back? They're back on Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to break to everybody, but Friends wasn't that good the, fir- no. the first time around. But we, you, whatever, you do you. <laughs> I, we've been rewatching it in mass, and more and more I see how terrible each of those people are. Like, no, I think I'm... Like, there are some that are great. I like, I'm always, I, I always enjoy Joey and Chandler's antics and, and, uh... Right, well, it's like, it's... Anyway, it, we can, we can delve into friends. It's a sure, sure. It's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, like, a caricature of real life. That's what I like. All three of you are welcome to join me on my uh, weekly Friends podcast that I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be, uh, starting tomorrow. Okay. Uh, I do have a few more categories I wanted to get to okay, real quick. <clears throat> Combat 2018 won Best Student Game. They have a student game category. Oh. And I do want to list out the nominees, nominees for that as well. Uh, Jira, uh, Recharge, Lyft, and Dash Quasar were the student games nominated this year. Nice. Uh, and Combat 2018 took the cake there. 
um, into the breach won best strategy game, which I'm happy about because that team's been awesome to me. FTL, I, I played a buttload of that uh, back in college, and Into the Breach has been awesome. Uh, Return of the Oberdin won best art direction. Let's see. Astrobot Rescue got best VR game. Let's see. Uh, God of War won best game direction. And The Messenger won uh, debut indie game. Uh, I said they, they won best action game earlier. I was incorrect. That was actually Dead Cells. Okay. okay. Uh, so a lot of indie games actually uh, won, won a, a number yeah, of categories. Yeah, won, won quite a few categories. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. And I think... Oh, there were some more esports ones that I didn't get through. Uh, Ninja One Content Creator of the Year. <laughs> I saw on on like Reddit and Twitter, like people were really upset that he won. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there, it was like a it's like a little divide where like his fans were like super ecstatic about it, and then some people are like, "But, but he's a terrible person," and we're sharing like old clips of his where he was like it wasn't like his crowning moments. Right, stuff taken out of context, which you, it's classic when you see these kinds of things, anyways. Yeah, I mean, I get how influencers influences influencers influencers <laughs> are becoming a bigger role in the games industry. Uh, you know, helping in every get, industry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. In uh, every industry help to get get the word out about all these you know all these different new titles that are coming out. I, I don't know where a yeah. lot of indie games would be without all these influencers promoting them, right? right. Uh, at the same time, it seems odd to me in a place where we're cel celebrating the the development of games, why we're also propping them up. But at the same time, I don't I'm calling don't, it content creation. Would, I mean, he's, he's making. I mean, I yeah, so like real real quickly on that note. Um, actually, in marketing, one of the questions that we get most often is, "Can you get me in front of influencers?" Right. That's more PR, actually. And that's an entirely different strategy, and it can be super expensive. I think we were looking at just to get, like, PewDiePie to, like, endorse your game in, in any kind of form. It, it's well in the hundreds of thousands of dollars to get him to even sign it. It's, it's like, less about sending out a game code to um, which they receive thousands in a day, and, and to pay them is just, like, as expensive. Um, so... Keep that in mind if that's one of the things you're looking for. Uh, there's ways of getting in front of influencers, but they're not exactly easy, and you are part of the noise that they get on a daily basis. So figuring out how to stand out, that's where marketing comes in. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, that is, that is important. Mm -hmm. uh, marketing is just as important to making sure that the games sell well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Which I think we've talked about multiple times, yeah, both yeah. at the clubs and here on the podcast. We've all kind of pointed to it. Uh, another one? Uh, just a few more. Um, Red Dead took Best Audio Design. Okay. Uh, Shocks won Best Esports Host. Cloud9 won Best Esports Team. And uh, there was a Best Esports Moment, and it was the... This whole category was, like, just them spewing a bunch of uh, acronyms. <laughs> but it was, it was a C9 comeback win in Triple OT versus Phase. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the best esports moment. Um, that sounds like one of those uh, neural network auto-generated <laughs> text things. Like, Man, I know. I was thinking you were about to say something like uh, the best DPS, and I would have barely understood. Yeah, it was it was a whirlwind. Watching uh, is it Joff or Jeff Kaylee? Uh, he, the announcer, 
He just went through all these nomine- uh, nominees in just a whirlwind of acronyms. <laughs> I'm going to try to mimic him here. Like, I applaud him yeah. for being able to get through this cleanly. Uh, so, C9 comeback win in triple OT versus phase. OG's massive upset of LGD. Sonic Fox side switch against something. Uh, it, it cuts off here. Uh, G2 beating RNG. And KT versus IG base race. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, that guy's <laughs> professionalism. He, he just went right through it. You kind of have to. Uh, and then lastly, um, I apologize if I mispronounced this gentleman's name, but uh, Bok Hong Yu won Best Esports Coach. Okay. Okay. Um, and that's all the categories. Okay. You know, ten years ago, if, if you had told me there was going to be a category <laughs> at a Game Awards for Esports Coach, I would have thought you were crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> this is Interesting to watch how this stuff progresses. Oh man, is it like esports? This is—I would argue that this is like the year of esports. It's—it's uh, it's pretty much like before. It was just kind of one of those things. Like, yeah, they had little conventions. You'd see them in the little conventions and stuff like that. But this year, it definitely exploded in just like large ways. And you can chalk that up to a lot of influencers and stuff like that mm-hmm. bringing it in. But it, and like this year, uh, Arlington's. Yeah, their their new Sports arena. Center, yeah, right? opened up and everything. This is just like the year. Also, I think we mentioned this on our previous podcast. This year too was when a bunch of the top South Korean players got beaten by someone from like Norway and a European, uh, European person who is playing Zerg. Hmm. <laughs> Zergs for for Star like Crash. a Zerg Russian. Zerg yeah, in in Star huh. Crash. So it was, uh, and that was Star Crash. Starcraft, uh, and that was like a huge deal because South Korea had pretty much been dominating that scene for like the last five years. So it was a huge deal for him to kind of win. I don't remember who it was. I just saw it in like my Reddit scroll. I don't know how this guy <laughs> did it, but he must have gone into like Goku's antechamber or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were showing it. Like they, they, there was one that they showed. He was taking on like the best Protoss player in the world, and mm-hmm. he's and he destroyed him. It wasn't even, like, a real challenge. It was just, like, here, here's the guy going to explore that. That's a lot of Zergs. <laughs> there, was, there was, like, this big, like, rush to, to not, I think he took him down with, like, queens and stuff like that. It was crazy. Crazy. Uh, so, yeah, um, that's really awesome. Like we mentioned, it's really great to be seeing Indy. Indy and I agree on the whole uh, eSports <laughs> coach thing. That's just, I mean, it's great. It, it, that's yeah. a it's relevant, you know, to have that award these days. It's mm-hmm. just, I never would have predicted it. Yeah. And, and watching that stuff happen locally, too, is pretty cool. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the big esports center and everything going up. It's The world's moving in <laughs> yeah, neat directions. <laughs> just last note on this. I was at a, um, at a networking event, and this guy looks at me, and he's like, my son just told me that he's going to try and get a scholarship for playing games to, to like, I forget what college it is. I think it was UTD. Mm. He's like, I think he's crazy. I was like, actually, UTD has an esports and you can get a scholarship. And he's just like, what? <laughs> like, the, the look on the man's face was absolutely disbelief. I was like, yeah, it's you're going to, I think you're, um, you're going to be quite surprised to know that there's several colleges that are actually offering that as a scholarship. So that might actually be a very valid way for your son to get to college. So, <laughs> you should encourage. <laughs> Rocket Jump's VGHS is going to be a thing. Oh, man. So, all right, let's get into the other news here. We've got quite a few to run through, plus 
Still gotta visit with Russell here. Uh, so, Epic, this is from GameIndustry.biz. Epic is launching stream Steam Rival with an 88% revenue share for developers. That's, that's pretty big. Yeah, that is huge news. Uh, and they've already, the big kicker here is that they've already signed a number of major developers and indie developers. So, their store just opened up like two days ago, and okay. it's already got all these huge names on it. Wow. Uh, and also, the store looks really slick. I think you can only purchase like six or something games right now. They have some that are posted as like upcoming, but yes, yeah, it's yeah. still in the very, very early stages. But yeah, they just like, that. they announced it and it came out and mm -hmm. yeah. And a lot of the, the stuff they announced at the Game Awards, like mm -hmm. uh, Ashen was a game that was announced at E3 this past year. They announced that it released like the day after the Game Awards on the Epic Store. Okay. Uh, right then when the, when the Game Awards happened. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, along with a number of other uh, games they announced there, it popped up. It's really cool. I think in if any stuff. if any platform was going to be able to like give that amount of revenue, like share, it would have to be Epic because Epic is saw such a huge success with just having the in game um, in game transactions for a lot of their stuff. Right, it's been a huge success, and they haven't like had to had to like. Oh, what am I trying to say? Have to figure out how to handle their money situation is where I was going with that. So I think it's really cool. Didn't they also mention that their, what was it, one of their uh, video game making things, they were also giving a, a good share of money back on that too? Uh, the the Epic's, uh, sorry, the Unreal Asset Store. Yeah. Uh, I think they made it so that you, if you, make content put it on the asset store you get a larger profit now than you used to mm -hmm. uh as well with the epic game store sorry that's the ue4 store mm -hmm. asset store the epic game store all these things um, if you've made your game with unreal and you put it on the epic store exclusively they will uh very heavily reduce the fee for using their engine when your game ends up being successful mm -hmm. so that's also pretty interesting yeah, this uh, entire article is actually an interview with Tim, Tim Sweeney. Sweeney, uh, going over the whole how how they they're doing this. Don't. You <laughs> said it's an interview with Tim Sweeney. <laughs> that can't be ignored, guys. No, low hanging fruit. He has is done that for so many years. Just don't. Uh, I just think it's nice um, for Steam to finally have some competition. Yes. Um, I mean, Itch has always been there, but it's still very different, you know, than Steam in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Um, but I think <clears throat> the Epic Store is actual competition for Steam, so maybe mm -hmm. Steam can have to... They're going to have to respond to this um, and respond to the community because there's been some sometimes toxic stuff, sometimes just confusing business stuff going on with the, the uh, Steam Store. So it's going to yeah. be nice to see maybe you know a little more balance of... Yeah, power that way. Well, I mean, it's through Steam that we've seen this review crisis going on, right? Sure. Where people are trying to use the reviews to leverage changes in their games. Uh, that and, the, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things, like um, the changing for how they take in their data. That mm -hmm. that was kind of, ticked a lot of people off. Uh, then you saw the way that they stopped curating. Uh, there's like, we're just going to, we're just not going to curate anymore because it's just too much work. <laughs> That's yeah. how yeah. it came out to be. And that's 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 true. Uh, considering how many games get released in in like a month, you're seeing thousands of titles go live, which saturate the market and whatnot. So I agree. Must um, not forget that uh, 
Discord also started putting out games. They, you can now mm -hmm. purchase games through Discord and play them and launch them straight through that their platform. So there's a whole bunch of services that have come out uh, around the time that Steam was making a whole lot of changes, and it's like, this is our chance. And to the effect of itch.io, uh, I think that's a lot more closer to Patreon, itch.io, just because it, it's like you can put your game up there and you can kind of just sell it for whatever, and it's not... You don't have to like figure out what's the best price like you would on Steam in order to be competitive. Um, but at the same time, they don't have a great way of searching for a lot of games on there. Yeah, they don't have you know like the achievement system and the yeah. um, <clears throat> stuff like that. That you know Steam sort of has its own system you can lock yeah. into mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> for better or for worse. Yeah, and, and I mean, and even Patreon is not the best either. Although a lot of people are using that as a way of crowdfunding their games. Uh, one noticeable group is uh, Bendy and the Ink Machine, the people that put that game together. It was all mostly done through Patreon crowds, mm, crowdfunding. Oh. That's this cool. It's uh, it's also interesting. Uh, Ray already mentioned that they're they're using a eighty eight percent developer rate. So mm -hmm. when you put your game on Epic, for those who aren't familiar, when you put your game on the Epic Store, uh, they would only take twelve percent of your profits for hosting it as opposed to Steam, which takes 30% of your profits. Uh, Steam recently, back in November, I think, uh, announced like discounts. If your game sells like $15 million worth of copies, oh, yeah. they're like, oh, well, we'll only take 25% instead of... Th so like, they gave 5% back to, what, EA and Activision? That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas the Epic Store seems like it could be a much better option for those mm -hmm. who don't necessarily have that kind of funds or can't afford to do that. So on the next one here, this is from Kotaku. It is Bethesda support leaks Fallout 76 customer numbers, addresses, and phone numbers. We talked on this last week. Um, it wasn't just about leak, leaks from when the game is launched and people are doing mm -hmm. that. It was also support requests. So if you put in a support request with Bethesda to fix something that was within the games or some of their stuff, you would actually be able, for a brief time, be able to see other support tickets and all the information in there, including credit card numbers and whatnot. Uh, a bunch of people took to all sorts of social media platforms to let everybody and Bethesda know that this situation was happening, and the response back from Bethesda was, we fixed it, thanks. <laughs> and that was just how that was laid out. Uh, so there wasn't at the time there wasn't a huge apology issue. It was just one person saying, uh, "Yeah, thanks uh, for <laughs> for letting us know we've resolved the issue." Yeah, they've they've had a rough go of it lately. Yes, they have definitely, and, and that was the question: is um, there's a lot of ways this could have been been like stopped at the beginning, but people are just asking. Like the main question is how and why, like. Why did it get this bad, and how could you have let it get this bad? Um, there's clearly a bunch of check boxes that just weren't checked before the launch. Yeah, uh, the support platform thing—that's that's interesting. Uh, yeah. That's something that I would assume they already had secure set up. So I wonder what kind of bug in the system caused that. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Uh, but the lack of communication is never gonna—it's never gonna <laughs> yeah. be helpful. It's like can't talk. We're busy with these bags. <laughs> Jeez. And that was like, that was what some people put in is around the time that they announced that they were going to be fixing the bag situation was also the time that people noticed the support situation was happening. Because um, a lot of the a lot of the support tickets people saw were <laughs> their requests for, for getting a, a canvas bag 
instead of the night lounge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it's um, it's just like one type of fall that you really don't want to get involved in. PR fallout. <laughs> 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 That's the low hanging fruit. <laughs> Alrighty. That was a solid pun. That was, yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Next one is ga- GamerRevolution.com. They put out Dragon Age 4 release date is in 2021 or later. Uh, so Dragon Age 4 has been announced. When it exactly is going to be released, the only thing we know is going to be around 2021. And that's pretty much it. Um, while Bioware is plenty busy with the close of... Oh, uh, Anthem. I forgot that Anthem was coming out soon. So Yeah, Anthem comes out in March, I believe. Right. Uh, their closed alpha was this past weekend. Yeah, that's, that's what this article just said. Uh-huh. I forgot about that. I'm wondering how it's going to go, because some people were concerned. There was um, there were signs that they was going to have a whole lot of in-game transactions. Mm. But then, I, I forget what it was. I want to say it was around the time like the Star, War, Star Wars thing happened, that people saw some sort of backpedaling happening with the Anthem, and they were that's what brought him around the idea that they might have had a lot of game, in-game transactions going on with, with Anthem. Um, so, Did any of you get to play the... Uh-uh. I played it a bit. I can't really... They made me sign, like, three really long user agreements. Okay. So I can't really say anything on that. But it happened, and uh, you got a chance to play it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> so the next one on here well, is... Man, real quick, that last article, uh-huh. looking, like, reading through this, it's actually a leak. Uh, it says a source speaking to VentureBeat has stated that they won't see a release date until 2021. So that, that's oh, wow. somebody inside is saying, hey, this is this is when you should expect this. Okay. Well, yeah, because they're having uh, online portions of it. Right? So you got to get that fixed out. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've learned from some of my game developer friends, when you start adding in multiplayer, you have to you have to do that. You have to start developing your game in the very beginning with that in mind. You can't just tack it on towards the end. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially if it's having online component, components to it. Uh, thanks, Tim. You tell me there's not just a multiplayer button you push in the, no plug-in. In the, in the game <laughs> engine? <laughs> it's just, just a plug-in that gets added in. Uh, then we have from Forbes. You know, I'm starting to see a lot of articles come out of Forbes over this last like year or so <clears throat> about just games in general. Uh, this one is the Super Nintendo World theme park is slowly coming to life. So there was an announcement last year that Nintendo and Universal Studios were working together on the new theme park. seems that Super Nintendo World is slowly becoming a reality. Uh, So there are a few images that have been shared, uh, images that surfaced on Twitter that showed how some of the park might look. So I'm guessing this is just... um, Which is something I've been fantasizing about since Super Nintendo was a current console. So do you think it's going to be more like, uh, what is it, like the Universal theme park? Or do you think it's going to be more like Disney World? A Universal. Okay. I, if it was, if you were going to say Disney, I was going to ask, you know, what do you think their equivalent of Small World would be? But It'd know. be Smash Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be. I could see that right or it's going to be like some Kirby-esque thing. I could see Kirby being like, that. I can't see Mario being it, but I could see Kirby, just because Kirby is, like, a lot of this, his game just features really unique, cute characters that you come across mm-hmm. throughout the world, so I can see them making that, like, their small world, 
ride. I want to see a Phoenix Wright ride. Where you like enter in and it's just a court case. Yeah. You're the jury. <laughs> when I was a kid playing through Final Fantasy 3 slash 6, I remember thinking, uh, going through the Mystic Forest and then the train, the Phantom Train, yeah. thinking that would be like a really cool area in a theme park. That would be wander around. So one thing it says in the article, it says the initial bu- budget for the theme park it was expected to be about 50 billion yen which is roughly like $455 million, but has been updated to about $60 billion yen, which is for Jeez. $545. Wow. Oh, and they're trying to get it open before Tokyo Olympics in 2020. So is it in Tokyo? It's going okay. the what The Olympics? The theme park. The theme park. <laughs> yes. I, the I figured park. the Tokyo Olympics Yeah, because like be what, they opened up Harry Potter World here in the U.S. and not in the U.K. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like... Yes, I can I can understand why that question would be. <laughs> is there going to be an uh, actual Mario Kart track? That's what is said in here too. Yeah, there it says be. that yeah. there's going to be. God, seems like a no-brainer. It looks like this theme park might hold might hold host to a real-world Mario Kart ride, which sounds exactly the kind of thing any Nintendo fan would want. Oh man, if you could do Rainbow Road, if you could like oh, yeah. somehow <laughs> simulate that experience. Mm-hmm. It's I could see it as, um, as like a 4D ride. It would be interesting to see how they can mix it a 4D ride with uh, with like go-kart, just the whole go-kart thing. That Everybody just wears of, like half VR headsets. Just <laughs> 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 projects hallucinations all over the place as you're flying up. Yeah, there. listen to this, Nintendo. You gotta take these ideas. If you don't take these, you really slip up. It's yeah. banana peels. Look, I know wow. it's going to be expensive to make, but worth it. Yeah. Fantastic podcast. All right. Next one we have from SugarGamers.com. It is Soldier Boy. Gosh. Soldier Boy. Yes, the singer Soldier Boy, or rapper Soldier Boy, has released a video game console, and everyone is confused. That is the title. Tell me about this, because I didn't, I didn't read this article. What? What the heck is going on? Please, somebody. <laughs> so, uh, first off, his name is Soldier Boy, uh, not Soldier. I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I guess it's it's one of those, or he released two consoles. It's a, a How many consoles? albums did he release? I don't know. <laughs> More than his console? Uh, it's a bunch of, like, knockoff products. There's, like, Soldier Pods instead of the AirPods that <laughs> Apple sells. There's... Uh, uh, the names of these are, are goofy, too. There's the Soldier Game Console. There's the Soldier Game Handheld. The Soldier Headphones Wireless Bluetooth. That's the name of it. Uh, the Soldier Pad, instead of the iPad. And the Soldier Phone uh, something. Do you and think you could get him on next week, Ray? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, got, I've got questions. But, so the console's like one of those those game consoles that you could you see in the mall that look really bad, and you go and you, you can test yeah. them out, and they're just like... Knockoff eight bit games, and yeah. Big games. It's like those, but their advertising states uh, build in, not built in, three thousand games. Build in three thousand games, uh, because essentially it's just an emulator, and they're telling you like, oh, if you want to play games on this, you got to download ROMs and put them on there. Nice. So it says here that uh, Soldier Boy's game or Soldier Game Line, and is now selling them as a console and a held handheld. That allegedly plays Switch, 3DS, Vita, some other weird one, Neo Geo, G- GBC, Game Boy, and GBA games, and ha- all have about 3,000 games built in. 
Neo Geo used to be. Uh, and somebody's like, sounds too good to be true. That's because it is. You know it is. <laughs> built in seems to imply that he would come with games, but you're saying but it, it doesn't? But it's built in. <clears throat> built in. Yeah. It's a freezing <clears throat> thing that's like a legal loophole. No, it says oh. built in. What? Where? It says right there. Oh, the article might be wrong. The actual website advertises build in. Oh. I saw someone on the internet sort of presume that these are just like some knockoff consoles that they got on Alibaba and put like his, you know, printed his name on the console and that's just, you could probably get the same console somewhere else. Wow. Alibaba. We're looking at the pictures for anybody that can't see. It's build in on the actual end. So you can build in 3,000 games if you choose. Yeah, it has download support. (laughs) I guess. God. I remember as a kid, uh, in the Nintendo 64 era, one one of those like knockoff consoles coming on and saying like, "Hey, instead of oh, like even more sure. so, they're all they all have emulators in them. That's why they yeah, can play yeah. over three thousand. Oh, so say like throw out throw out those old games that you have to buy one at a time. Buy this thing that's got like three hundred games built in, and it's showing you, and it's like 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 mono color, like really mm-hmm. bad, like. <laughs> just nonsense and and they're showing this person throw away a Super Mario 64 cartridge and I'm like wish you to get like Super Mario Bros and all the sprites are changed out to something awkward this writer has like some huge issues with Soldier Boy (laughs) releasing game consoles is anyone talking about the legality of this whole thing like is is what's being is, is what's being presented legal? Can he do this? Yeah. As uh, long as the games aren't included, I guess that's the way you yeah, can do I it. Yeah, I think that's the legal loophole here, is that yeah, he's he's purchasing from a company that is purchasing the, the handhelds and the consoles from a company that is uh, not based here in the U.S., so they don't have to worry about the IP there, <clears throat> and then all of the... All of the games are just, you, you download them, or they're knockoffs. By the way, Matt, if you listen to this podcast later this week, I almost dropped my phone trying to wave at you. <laughs> we should, Matt, you know who you are. <laughs> we should uh, take a picture next time, in, or just take a picture after this, just to show people what the studio looks like. This is um, to all Matt's listening? <laughs> Ray is thinking about you. We're, we're, we're all thinking about you. <laughs> so we'll leave uh, Soldier Boy behind. And we'll jump into the last article here, which is also from Kotaku. A video game music performed with still drums has changed my life. Uh, this this our, this particular writer was sharing um, a group that does fight metal. It says here does fight melodies uh, and other kind of melodies all on the drums, metal drums, but they look to be. I thought you said fight metal at first. <laughs> I really like that as a. As a genre for music, it's fight metal. Yeah. I, I listen to fight metal. <laughs> the picture. <laughs> That's all metal. The picture is. Uh, just, it sounds better when you word it that way. Yeah. Three yeah. guys, two with Mario shirts and one with a Luigi shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hammering it out on the drums. Can we write some cuddle metal? Cuddle metal? Yeah. But how does that? Uh, I'm cuddling you. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta growl it. Yeah, it's, it's just right metal, now. but all the lyrics are whispered. So, so it's like metal mixed AS, with ASMR, ASMR metal. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Do you like that? <laughs> so Gentle bad. Metal. Of course, uh, with all this, with all the, uh, what do you, what do you, the sound dampening that Jay has to do, you're probably not going to hear that whisper at all. <laughs> uh, 
so that is all, all that we have. Um, pretty much most of what we talked about on the Thursday group too was all of the news we talked about last week and some of the some of this newer stuff. Uh, so yeah, so let's jump into well uh, before that. I was going to say, let's jump to our guest, but first... Yeah, <laughs> yeah before, before we meet Russell and we get to learn about the Dallas Society play and, of course, Sickhead Games, let's go straight into our shout-outs. Before we fully go into the shout-outs, there are a couple of developers that we want to, we want to say congratulations to. Um, so would you like to share who those? Um, so let me see a few things that happened last week. <clears throat> um, our... Uh, our Mutual friend Nick Culbertson, mm-hmm. uh, Moby Pixel released uh, his uh, iOS uh, rhythm pixel platformer um, called Synthwave Escape. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just a few days ago. Okay. So check that out. That's and on iOS. <clears throat> it is iOS and Android. Sorry. Okay. Uh, what else happened? There was one more that people were saying. Oh, in you know, the uh, Game Awards, uh, there was an announcement there. The Duffer Brothers, the directors of Stranger Things, came out and announced mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, the Stranger Things Season 3 game, which is. Uh, produced locally by some of our friends at Bonus XP. Yeah, um, that's right. I forgot they were working. On yeah, so this is a sequel to their their eight uh, bitish game they did before, which was amazing. Um, which yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, <clears throat> it was a lot of fun. Were you talking about Bithell games? Um, no, no, no. This okay. was a, a Bonus XP and their Stranger Things game. Uh, oh, okay. And then yes, another uh, mutual friend of ours, Nick Tringali. Nice. Uh, he works with uh, Mike Bithell uh, in the UK, um, and uh, he is. Uh, they they released the Switch version of Quarantine Circular. They're sort of uh, they have these short narrative games they're doing recently that are really um, compelling, really interesting. And uh, so our friend is is a part of that, and they released on Switch two days ago or nice. something like that. One Congrats, or two days Nick ago. and Mike. Yeah, yeah. Now a few of these guys do do come out of like Dallas Society play group a lot, so that's really cool to see that. Um, so congratulations, guys. Best of luck. And congrats to all of the winners at the Game Awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of your hard work is definitely seen and appreciated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's get into our shout-outs now, of course. As always, thank you to Trey. He's working really hard to make our podcast sound great. Uh, so thank you to him and to Anwar. He's actually, that's another congratulation. He just graduated from college. Hey, yeah, congrats, so he's, a, he's finally graduated. He's ready. He's His game's Solar, right? Solar Purge. Yeah, Solar Purge is also out so congrats to him as well and he's been working really hard he listened to our podcast and he listens to the podcast since he's the one that puts it up and also comes up with all the great names for just about all the episodes so thank you to him and thank you to russell for coming in today and joining us thank you thanks for having me (laughs) yeah yeah uh and not to forget nirvana who of course allows us to still use this space You've been great, and downstairs they make wonderful coffee and wonderful drinks. So if you ever want to, if you're looking for a place and you happen to be in Frisco, stop by, give them a shot. Uh, stop by, give them a like on Yelp. I forgot what it was. Not it's not on Yelp. No, what oh, is? Oh, oh, yes. No, sorry. where are they? Uh, Google. <laughs> give them a shout out on Google. Thank them. For Actually, their awesome they might coffee. be on Yelp too. Uh, <laughs> there's yeah. there's very few places that is not on Yelp. Sorry, I was thinking of uh, the the podcast, not necessarily your <laughs> knowledge. Like, be white, on the yeah, we <laughs> should be on the yeah. Let's let's push push some boundaries. There. The coffee podcast, yeah. on guard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now let's meet our guests, Russell. 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 He's uh, the one of the founders of Dallas Society of Play, and also one of the founders of Sickhead Games. 
We invited him here today both to talk on each of those. So without further ado, here he is. <laughs> Hello. Is this, is this a, a monologue from here on out? <laughs> no, no. no. So you have we, one prepared? <laughs> I have some thoughts. <laughs> so we talk about Dallas Society. You, you've been a, you've been listening to our podcast for a while. I, yeah, I do. Yes. Yeah, so Thank you know, you. yeah, yeah. So you know that we we give a shout out to Dallas Society of Play all the time. We don't actually go into like what or how Dallas Society of Play got started. Um, so do you mind talking a little bit on that? Sure. Um, so the Society of Play is uh, a collective of independent game developers. It's mm-hmm. an open group that we sort of uh, put together on Meetup and Facebook. Uh, and we have, uh, it's all for indie developers to get together and share what they know and learn from each other and network um, and just sort of be a support group for each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have meetings generally twice a month. Uh, the first one is like an informative meeting. So uh, it'll be like a, a postmortem somebody gives about their recent project or uh, a, a workshop or some sort of other you know, sort of training where someone comes and shows a skill. So it's a, very much a learning sort of experience. And then this, the, uh, the second meetup of the month is what we call a show and play. It's kind of an open mic style um, presentation where people show up and they, uh, they present what they're currently working on, their works in pro- progress, um, so they can uh, sort of get feedback and maybe find collaborators or just kind of show their you know, half-built things to sort of sh- you know, sh- show uh, how it's going mm-hmm. and, and get people to, to add some feedback to it and sort of help, you know, guide their projects if they need it or, or you know, whatever. Sometimes, you know, just be basically be a sounding board for people's um, projects. I've seen uh, at some of those show and plays, people would just come up with just the concept doc itself. So it's not like it needs to be like a full game. Is that, mm-hmm. Yeah, so and I've seen some of that, that and the feedback that people have gotten out of there have just been wonderful. Like later on, they'll come back with a better version of their game than they had previously. Yeah, that's fun to watch too. Yeah, and so we encourage not just people who are making who are game designers and programmers, but also people who are working on art. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had someone show up with uh, like an expansion pack for a role play, uh, for a tabletop RPG. Mm-hmm. So just anything, anything you're making that you want to show off and sort of get out there. Um, yeah, that's. There's one guy who likes to get involved with a lot of the funny, the the funnier kind of game jam things, or he he'll do like inventive controllers. I think he was showing once uh, that it was. He had, like, this one controller that you had to blow into it to get the ball to float, and that was that made things on the screen happen, too. That was really cool. <laughs> yeah, we had a talk recently uh, that was all about building alternative controllers yeah. that Ian Walker <laughs> did, and, uh, yeah, it was excellent. Uh, and I think uh, uh, Jim Welch has showed up recently with some interesting physical controls. Mm-hmm. He has this big, yeah, it's basically a yoga ball that you, it, that acts as giant trackball. So you stand up and you move it around and it pushes the cursor around on screen. And uh, I think he's got plans for that, but it was it's very, very cool to see that in progress as well. Yeah. I think he put his prototype together in like less than 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's fast. Jim's come in and out of the, Jim Welch, right? Yeah. He's come in and out of the game scene for a while there. Uh, he originally started as um, full not Funimation, uh, uh, tech, audio tech. Mm-hmm. He was doing that for a while, so a lot yeah, of the trailers. Yeah, he's a composer as well. Yeah, he saw a lot of the trailers. So when he broke out, he went on to go to become an indie game developer for a little bit there. He was working on one game, and eventually he switched out to just doing a generic dev. And he comes in with a lot of AR tech now and shows that off. So it's really cool. I didn't get to see that one. I'm sad. Then I missed that. <laughs> Yeah, I've got some photos of it I'll share with you, but yeah, it was awesome. fun to watch. Awesome. 
Um, so how long has Dallas Society of Play been around? So uh, about five years, I think summer of 2013, I think. Uh, yeah, so it was started at the old Dallas Makerspace in a tiny room in the back. Um, and uh, the room was packed. And uh, I, I wasn't actually one of the founders. Another gentleman, uh, oh, okay. Nick Snyder, started it. But uh, a few of the current organizers, Ian Walker and myself, were both there at the first meeting. And we were brought on as organizers pretty quickly. Uh, and then the, the guy who originated the group had to leave, so we sort of took it over. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, so we started back then. We've changed venues a few times. We've, um, you know, changed our formats and sort of started online communities and uh, and dealt with you know all the growing pains that deal with you know deal with that. Uh, so yeah, it's been five years. Okay. Yeah, so far and, and and growing. How long have you? So in that same time. Um did you also launch Sickhead to Games around then, or was that before? No, I started, uh, me and a buddy started Sickhead um, in 2002, so within 16 years now. Wow. Uh, yeah, after uh, me and my, my business partner were working at another studio in town making racing games, mm -hmm. uh, that studio kind of folded in 2002, uh, and we started uh, Sickhead, and Sickhead is basically contract work, mostly. Every few years we release a game, but uh, mostly it's contract work, making games for um, other people and other publishers uh, and a lot of what we do now a lot of our contract work now is porting existing indie games to uh, to consoles and handhelds um, so games like uh, Celeste and Towerfall, uh, Darkest Dungeon Stardew Valley, uh, Octodad Axiom Verge, so we put all those on different consoles and handhelds and that's a large portion of our uh, contract work right now. You released um, uh, the Switch version of Gradina? something like that? Uh, no, no, we're currently working on oh. uh, yeah, Switch version of Grandia, which is a huh. JRPG from the mid-90s, late 90s, I think, mm -hmm. uh, which has been a whole different set of, of uh, sort of issues, because usually we take games that were made in the last year or two. Mm -hmm. um, now we're talking about taking a PlayStation 1 game, uh, which was written a long time ago, mm -hmm. and it's really a, an exercise in uh, software archaeology, because you're talking about all the comic comments are in Japanese, that all the tech is completely outdated and no one has information on this or anything. There's like, I don't know, the guys that worked on this game must live out in the woods and somewhere and they, we can't find them. So uh, it's been quite a bit, it's been very interesting to port a 20-year-old game uh, to, to modern consoles, but it's, it's going fine. Uh, can you tell us, like, what are some of the difficulties that you experience running a studio? Because you're not like a single person indie developer. You're running a studio. You have people that work with you. Yeah, we're currently at seven people, eight people. I can't remember. Uh, so I I don't know how it's different than running any other business. You know, you try to make sure that your uh, the work you have coming in exceeds your expenses. Uh, everybody <laughs> gets paid and feels comfortable about that. Uh, you know, make sure everybody feels. Uh, safe and comfortable and has health insurance and things like that. Uh, but it's all about, you know, looking for at least us, which is we make, we survive mainly on contract work. Uh, it's looking, you know, down the pike, making sure that there's always work out there. Mm -hmm. And how do you usually go about getting your work? Do people find you or do you go out and ask like a developer, hey, look, we saw that you only got it on PC. We can port it to other consoles for you. Uh, so without getting into too much technical detail, and I'm actually, uh, I run the art half the business, so for me to talk about the, the, um, the porting stuff, I'll speak a little out of my element. Yeah. Um, but 
there is a game framework called MonoGame that my company kind of specializes in, and actually my business partner sort of runs that as a side project. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we use a lot to, to do these ports. So uh, when the PS4 came out, Sony was making a big push to get indie titles on there, uh, in which they did a wonderful job of doing. But they were really scrambling to get as much as they could on there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they, Sony approached us and said, you know, hey, will you... We take Towerfall and put it on our platform because at the time Towerfall was on the Ouya, I think. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I don't even know if it was on Windows yet. But um, so Sony sort of subsidized that, and uh, after that, they, they gave us a few more projects, and then we just became known as people that could port those types of games. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so tell us a little bit about you. Like, how did you start getting involved? In, you said you do the art side. How did you start getting involved with all of this? Uh, so, when I was in school, uh, kids ask your parents, uh, there was no game development programs, you know, uh, there was software degrees, but that seemed pretty unapproachable for an art guy like me. Um, so I actually made degrees in photography, and uh, so I would get out of school and I worked in commercial photography for, for a while, realized my heart was not in advertising, uh, so I started taking night classes in 3D modeling, my instructor, uh, because of my Photoshop experience from all the, the photography work, mm -hmm. my instructor uh, really likes my uh, texture work, so he hired me at his uh, company, which was then known as uh, Motorsport Simulations. This was a, okay. a racing... Uh, it's not around anymore, but I uh, used to do racing games. Um, so, yeah, that's how I got into games. I started doing texture work and UI work for, uh, for motorsports, and then uh, that sort of imploded, and it wasn't a very good situation. Uh, my business partner and I then decided, hey, let's just make something of our own and maybe we'll make it a little more comfortable and fun. Uh, and so that's what we did. We started that in 2002. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. And you've just been, uh, have you worked on, like, taking any side projects of your own that you've been excited about? Um, so I'm constantly, I'm trying to learn, uh, you know, coding and game design sort of on my own. So I'm always sort of learning and trying to put together projects. But uh, So I've always got, yeah, Tons of personal projects on the side. Nothing I've really pushed out yet. But you built the game game console, not the game console, the, ar ar arcade, the arcade cabinet for... Oh, yeah. The Society Plays Arcade Cabinet. Yeah. So we, we had a, uh, I guess, I don't know how long ago it's been, but maybe three years. Uh, it's always been my dream um, since I was a kid to build my own arcade cabinet. Like, when you go to an arcade, at least when I was a kid, I would look at these things and they glow and there's a box and like what's inside of it and it's got controls and they're all different and they're always these mysterious things to me and sometimes they'd have vents on the side and you could like, you know, mm -hmm. peek inside and see some things blinking. Yeah. Um, so it's always been, and I'm, I'm kind of a, a, a handy guy. I like to build things. I like to build functional things, uh, you know, in my garage in my spare time. Um, so it's always been uh, sort of a goal to build an arcade cabinet from the ground up. Um, so, yeah, when I got sort of involved uh, with Society Play, it seemed like it was really going to be a popular thing. Uh, I decided I was going to build our own arcade cabinet for for games, just for local games. Mm -hmm. um, so we built this four-player arcade cabinet. Um, it's a beast, and uh, it's got it's filled with games made by local game developers. And every once in a while, we have game jams uh, just for the, the, uh, con the cabinet. Uh, but yeah, it's strictly all local games. I think one of the most popular games that they have on that cabinet is the one that was made for the volleyball scene from Top Gun. That's the name of the game. <laughs> <laughs> the volleyball scene from Top Gun. And it's just like these uh, 
like pixelized guys. It, they have no t-shirts and they're running around. And well, you, yeah, tough <laughs> You got to hit the ball to get it over the net. And it just, and then somebody went and made that a three th- 3D thing after mm-hmm. this. So, yeah, that was made uh, at the, I think at the first, no, it was made at an SGC. We had a, the first uh, year we actually, the Sonic Play had a booth at SGC, which is a, which is a, a game convention that used to be around here. So um, ScrewAttack, right? ScrewAttack, right. Yes. ScrewAttack Gaming Convention. Uh, so we had a booth there, and our arcade cabinet was there, and Ian and uh, Daniel Fairley made this game in like two hours, and yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, I mean, sometimes the best games are the ones that are just made, you know, in, at a game jam when you don't have time to do anything polished, um, and it's, yeah, it's fun. So I want to go back real quickly to what you said. Um, you were doing photography first off, but then you switched over to doing... Uh, 3D animation, like what sparked that? How did you go from making photography into 3D? Was was there a movie that you watched that? No, just that growing up with video games, growing up with you know my Nintendo, uh, my NES, uh, just the arcade cabinets. It was when when I was in college, there was uh, there was this program on Mac on Macintosh computers called uh, Res Edit, Resource Edit, and you could like go in and open any program whether it's an app or a game and you could replace the art content in it you could see and replace it so without any knowledge of code you could just go and replace them with this utility um and our our mac lab had a marathon but one of burns bungie's early games uh it's sort of a doom-esque you know uh fps shooter game and so i would go in there and take all the assets out and replace one of my own stuff uh and it was just like super satisfying uh, and I did this a lot with as many games as I could find and as many games as I could crack open with this program. So, uh, yeah, it, it's just it's something that's always been there. I mean, I, anytime I, I see something, I, I see a movie, I hear a music, I see something being built, like, I'm always like, hey, I want to do that. Yeah. So it's like, I just love taking apart any kind of, uh, anything that's been made by an artist or a builder and, like, understanding how it's made and try to make my own version of it. So with that <clears throat> fresh on your mind, uh, do you have any advice that you would give to students aspiring to work in game dev or uh, yeah, like what or jumping kind of, into the scene? But yeah, like what kind of tools do you use? There, the industry standard tells you like 3D, 3ds Max and Maya, but people have been switching over to Blender. Do you have any tools that you would recommend? No, I mean, you can make games with anything that's out there. You can, you know, your engines, there's Unity and there's uh, Unreal and there's, you can pay for for 3D software if you want, but Blender is free and it's fantastic for for the price that it is, which is zero. It's fantastic. And there's a huge community of people making better tools for it constantly. Uh, so, I mean, the, the only, the advice I would give people is just start today. You can literally go and download GameMaker if you want to make 2D games. You can download Unity if you want to make 3D games. And you can literally start making a game today uh, with the tools that are free and out there right now. And that's going to be, you know, I say don't wait to get to school to do that. Don't wait to take the class to do that. Just start now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what about uh, maybe more experienced as aspiring to form their own studio uh, or their own, own uh, business around it? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, Sorry. I mean, you've, we've all heard the statistics about the amount of studios or amount of small businesses that close in the first year. It's mm-hmm. in the high number. Uh, I I don't know. It, it, to be quite honest, my studio is still around because of a combination of hard work and luck. And for us, we happen to, for some reason, always specialize in some idiosyncratic sort of platform or, or knowledge that that uh, not a lot of people have. 
so, so for instance, you know, my studio has a specialty in this model game framework. Well, that served us very well. Um, so I don't, I don't know the answer to your question. I don't know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, so for the people that are getting into it now, Dallas Society of Play offers some resources that they might be able to use. Didn't you have some documents and stuff that you share sometimes? Um, I'm not sure what you mean specifically, but... Uh, Your website had links to files that they could go find some information on. If not that, then I know that you guys constantly are in your chat groups helping each other grow and uh, solve Unity problems because the majority of the devs in the area use a lot of Unity. Yeah, I mean, our, I know our mission is to sort of be supportive, uh, help indies support each other. So, okay. yeah, there's the, there's the meetings, uh, which anybody can come and give a talk if they want. We have, you know, the, I always say that, that Society of Play is is only as fun or educational or as exciting as the, what our members put into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have the micro talks where people can come and give talks of their own. Anybody who has something they want to talk about for an hour can pitch it to us and come give a talk. So it's all about the community gives back to itself constantly. But yes, we have a, a Discord that has a, a technical help section. So if you're building something and you're stuck, you know, in Unity or something, uh, you can come to the Discord and ask questions. And people are really there's some really knowledgeable uh, devs there that will help you out with that. Uh, so yeah. Okay. Uh, one other thing that you uh, get involved in a lot is game jams of any kind. You were doing a um, what is what do you call like the one? It's like it starts with a P. Proc jam. The, yeah, the prop jam. Oh yeah, prop jam. Yeah, can you explain what that is, or like how you get in, involved and find those jams? Yeah, it's not all done by Dallas Society of Play. Yeah, I just I heard prop jam is uh, short for procedural jam, which is all about uh, what what they they call themselves. Uh, Things that games that make things, or things that make things, or something like that. So it's all about generative art, whether it's um, you know, like we talked about earlier, whether it's using neural networks to produce you know uh, unexpected events, or or like uh, roguelike games that sort of produce you know dungeons randomly. So it's all about making things that produce things. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Proc Jam isn't something that Society Play has really participated in yet, but it's an annual event that happens, uh, and you can find it. I think uh, hashtag ProcJam on Twitter will get you to the right place. But uh, yeah, it, it happens every year. It's bigger and bigger every year. And I just, I love those kinds of games. I love, you know, it's it's one thing to be uh, really hands-on and, you know, make a game that's exactly like you want it in every particular, you know, way. Uh, but I really, really love it when games can show you something that you didn't expect to see. Mm -hmm. uh, and procedural games are designed to do just that. So, yeah. So there's like Ludomare, um, what are some other ones? Yeah, Ludomare, um, oh, also upcoming events. Mm -hmm. uh, Global Game Jam is happening in January, and okay. there is going to be a local venue for that. Uh, I can't remember which one it is. Colin College, I think. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's the biggest game jam in the world, I think, and it happens every year. Mm -hmm. uh, and there is a local uh, sort of place for that. So you can just do a search for a Global Game Jam, and you'll find it. Uh, but yeah, there's Global Game Jam. I mean, there's jams happening all the time. Yeah, Itch.io has a section on their site that is all about game jam three going on uh whether in your area or somewhere else in the world and it's just there's jams going on all the time mm -hmm. uh so if you and that's a good way to just get in there and you know make something that's not polished and sort of learn and um yeah game jams are, are a lot of fun yeah and for like the people that have get caught up in that you must have three years of experience before you can get into a game uh that's like a good way to start getting like little titles underneath your belt yeah, they always say that when you when you start making games, your first ten games are going to suck. <laughs> so go ahead and just plow through those. I mean, there's 
there is definitely some truth to that. You're going to, you know, everyone's like, my first game is going to be an MMO and it's going to be great. And it's like, no, you should never. Uh, you, yeah, should, yeah. you should definitely, I mean, take, make the, first off, you should make the simplest game you can possibly make and then you should simplify that as much as you can. Um, and then once you get through that game, you'll understand why. Mm-hmm. Uh, because games are hard to make. I, I read this quote yesterday. Uh, Frank Lance uh, said, games combine everything that's difficult about building a bridge with everything that's difficult about composing an opera. Games are games are operas made of bridges. Which, what he's trying to say is that it, it's both an art, it, an artistic endeavor and a technical, uh, technical problems to solve. So mm-hmm. it's very technical and artistic at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, Tell us how you managed to keep up with your, with just, what are, what am I trying to say? What are your favorite channels to just keep up with, uh, with the game community as a whole? Hmm. Well, I'm hesitant to say mm-hmm. it's Twitter because Twitter <laughs> is obviously problematic uh-huh. uh, in a lot of ways, but that is where I get a lot uh, of my, my news. I just watch people that, uh, you know, can sort of amplify the good stuff that's happening in games. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm on Mastodon, and our local Discord is always, you know, sort of uh, helpful about pointing out what's going on. Those are probably my three. I don't read a lot of uh, gaming journalism and unless it's, you know, vetted through those channels of people I trust. You know, mm-hmm. like, I trust that it's going to be, you know, a fair article, and I trust that it's going to be about something interesting and relevant. Um, I'm not the kind of person that can just go to you know, a, a news journalism site and just read everything. It's yeah. just a lot of noise. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I tend to, before I post anything on the our Discord, I tend to find three other sources that correlate mm-hmm. or explain the same thing and to make sure that it's credible. There are some people that will just put some BS in the <laughs> yeah. comment section. And you're just oh, like, yeah. knock it. <laughs> and that's one of the things that's great about VGOCC is that it's, it's people take the, maybe the most important and interesting relevant articles of the week and then they talk about it in the sort of long-form discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, I definitely try to let other people do the work for me. <laughs> <laughs> for well, sure. Uh, so we're coming up on the end of our time. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any shout-outs you would like to make, Russell? Mm-hmm. Mm, shout-outs. Like to your mom or <laughs> your brother? Uh, uh, my mom knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, so... Is she listening right now? Yeah. So as far as Society of Play goes, you know, the Society of Play is run by a, uh, a leadership committee of five people. And we try to, we do that so we can, for a number of reasons, uh, so we, no one gets burned out. Everyone tries to choose a different sort of a specialty so we can all sort of focus on our areas. Uh, and also it's a good sounding board. So if an issue comes up, uh, it, we discuss it and so we can respond uh, with rational um, to, you know, something that's been debated uh, mm-hmm. instead of, you know, emotions. People are, are emotional people. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything that, that Society Play is, 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 first of all, we appreciate our members for everything they contribute, but also uh, the other uh, organizers in the Dallas Society Play. So Ian Walker, uh, Summer Howard, uh, Justin Pierce, and Storm Hughes. You know, it's really a group of, of five that sort of keep everything on track. Uh, so shout out to, to all the organizers at DSOP. Well, tell the tell our listeners where they can keep up with you and what's going on at with either Dallas Society of Play, Sickhead Games, or just you personally. And sure, Whirly Ball is. <laughs> oh yeah, people don't know Whirly Ball. Yeah, 
that's maybe that's a topic for another uh, podcast. But uh, Google Whirly Ball, you'll, you'll get it. Uh, so I'm on Twitter at Russell Fincher. Russell has two S's and two L's. Uh, you can find uh, Dallas Society Play, which actually is now uh, going no, being known as Society of Play. Okay. We're the Dallas branch of Society of Play. Okay. Uh, and you can find Society Play at uh, Society of Play on Twitter and Meetup uh, and Instagram. And uh, Skid Games is uh, it's at Sickhead on Twitter. Yeah, that's where you can find everything. Okay. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Mm-hmm. Thank you again to Trey and Anwar yeah, for and, uh, getting it all edited. Yeah, and if you would like to join us at Summer Park's physical locations, you can join us at Whole Foods off of Runner Road in Plano or here at Nirvana on Friday. Plano is Thursday. Both clubs start at 8 a.m. Or you can follow us on Facebook. Uh, not on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Discord. If you don't have our Discord link, let us know. You can also find any of our things going on on meetup.com. That's usually where we'll post our meetups first before we will post it to all of our other distribution channels. Um, and yeah, thank you so much, Russell, for coming out and joining us today. I know it's super early and the topic is a little heavy. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've been listening to the podcast for a while, so it's nice to be here. Awesome. If you come Thursday or Friday, bring mimosas. Uh, we'll, we'll follow up with uh, whether or not that's going to be a thing. <laughs> People are thirsty. <laughs> so thank you guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.